Bulldog Interviews on BullyNet with your host, Dave Kaufman. He's a nice guy, but only gives belly rubs to dogs. Welcome to the Bulldog Interviews. I'm Dave Kaufman, your host, and we continue the great series with Dr. Alan Frank. Uh, how you doing, Alan? I'm doing well. Great. The first one I'd like to discuss is MRSA and MRSP. And what that is, is methicillin-resistant uh, Staphylococcus aureus and methicillin-resistant Staphylococcus pseudintermedius. Those are two bacteria that are pretty much resistant, and as, as the name implies, the resistant to methicillin, which is, you know, if they're resistant to methicillin, they're resistant to a lot of antibiotics out there, that, uh, so they're very difficult to treat. Um, these are, the best thing to do though, if your pet is diagnosed with one of these pyodermas, and that's usually what they cause is a pyoderma. Uh-huh. And we have to remember that, um, the skin, the normal flora for the skin is staph anyway. So that's the common bacteria on the skin. Mm-hmm. So like I was saying, uh, the best thing to do if, if your pet is diagnosed with one of these pyodermas, one of these infections is ob- Absolutely do not panic. Uh, the majority of MRSA and MRSP infections can be treated effectively if they're, they're diagnosed and appropriate treatment started, usually in a timely matter, manner mm-hmm. and quickly. Uh, and again, it's a must to get proper diagnosis. It's not a great idea. And a lot of times when a pet comes in for the first time of an infection, yes, you know, sometimes I've even done it myself where I've treated with an antibiotic. But if it's a reoccurring type of infection, the best thing to do is get the proper diagnosis. The way that I do it is I use a very tiny punch biopsy. The pet does not have to be sedated for these punch biopsies. Uh, My technicians will hold the dog for me, and with this tiny little punch biopsy, I'll take three or four little pieces of skin, and I will do a culture. And usually one of them, I will do a culture sensitivity the other one I will send to what they call a dermatopathologist who, who's a pathologist who just does nothing but skin. So we get a diagnosis of all kind of, uh, not only the bacteria, what the bacteria is, um, sensitive to with a, uh, sensitivity test on the culture. But it also gives us an idea of what type of pathology or skin issue is going on with, uh, the dog. So it's very effective, and I found that um, it's great because we don't have to sedate the dog. There's no need for suturing, or it's quick and painless. Mm-hmm. And the dog, you know, I usually put a little bit of antibacterial ointment on those uh, little punches that I do and send the dog on their way. Um, and like I said, I get very good results on treating some of these stubborn bacteria with uh, the appropriate antibiotic therapy and also topical uh, therapy. Okay. And a lot of these can be treated, you know, they, they're nasty because I think we've all heard of MRSA infections in people, and they're pretty nasty. Um, I believe you'll see a good number of doctors, human doctors, that have the infection because, uh, especially because they're breathing in uh, this bacteria that, you know, their, their patients come in with. So it's, um, it's, it's, you hear a lot about this. And the topical therapy is usually just shampoos. And I have a line of uh, silver uh, 
um, base type of shampoos that work really good on some of these infections along with, uh, and again, most of the time, the MRSA and MERS bacteria are, um, they, they're just not, they're re- resistant against almost everything. So it's hard to pick a good antibiotic for it. Mm-hmm. I had, one of my um, patients was a Labrador that had uh, MRSA infection in the ear canal and needed an ear ablation. And um, the owner wanted to uh, try to get a antibiotic. And I did find one that actually works for the uh, MRSA infection, but I think it was like $56 a tablet. Yeah. which is quite expensive. Yeah. But they are coming out with new antibiotics for people, so they will be available to the dog if we can afford it. Mm-hmm. So uh, that that's usually the issue. But that's the um, MRSA and, and MRSA infections. What does, what does that sort like, of... What, does that look any yeah, different than other skin issues? Or what would... would just yeah, be some... they're just really resistant bacteria. Okay. Um, you know, like I said, the normal floor for the skin is, is they have bacteria on the skin, mm-hmm. but these are two very resistant type of uh, bacteria that we see that take a little bit more um, work to get them under control. Okay. Um, and, and we're seeing more of them, and, and I think a big reason for this is maybe using antibiotics, not maybe, but using antibiotics indiscriminately or continually using it on an infection that we're not getting any results with. So that's why I say the um, bacterial cultures and sensitivities are very extremely important. Mm-hmm. And you know, when I was talking about the punch biopsies, other skin issues also. It's it's just a great idea to have a veterinary, you know, dermatopathologist look at these little punch biopsies. He gives us a lot of information as to the type of cells that are in the skin. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he sees parasites. Um, he gives us a um, usually results of of those skin issues and what the diagnosis is and a lot of times that sometimes we just don't see it on the surface mm-hmm. and we're treating symptomatically more than uh, specifically. So that's why it's so important to, to get a good diagnosis and that's why these reoccurring infections occur. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, going right into full dermatitis, which is another issue um, that we see in our bulldogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, skin fold pyodermas involve folds of skin, as we're familiar with, uh, that are continually kind of traumatized by the constant rubbing of the skin against the skin itself. And also, we know that the skin folds don't have any kind of adequate ventilation, so a lot of bacteria are harbored in these skin folds. Mm-hmm. And there's several types of folds afflicting the bulldog. Uh, the most common, obviously, is the facial fold, the vulvar folds, uh, and the tail folds. Mm-hmm. Uh, the condition is a direct result of the dog's, you know, obviously bulldog preponderance to having the wrinkles. And management requires regular cleansing of the skin fold to combat infection, possibly applying various types of ointments. Um, and, and I think all of us as bulldog people, I think all of us know about cleaning, um, you know, from baby wipes, to um, all different types of antibacterial wipes we use. And I feel my clients are real good about keeping most of these folds very clean. Mm-hmm. And some of the ointments that I put in the folds that, you know, we get some really nasty infections where, you know, whether it's a yeast infection, a bacterial infection, 
I use uh, some pretty broad-spectrum type of ointments. Uh, Bupyrocin ointment is one that they actually use in human hospitals, and something called BNT ointment that is uh, made up at my um, compounding pharmacy that works really well for these folds. BNT ointment um, is one of these ointments that typically we use for ear infections. But I found that the I also put it in the fold, and the reason I do is because it's a very thick uh, type of product that stays for a long time. When we put it in the ears, it actually uh, kind of melts away. It's a lanolin base, so it kind of melts away. And it has a antibacterial in it, an anti-inflammatory, a very strong anti-inflammatory in it, and a something for yeast. Okay. And one of the other products I use is uh, silver sulfadiazine uh, type of uh, ointment cream, actually, mm-hmm. that works really go- good in the folds when they really get nasty. But normal, a lot of my clients will clean their pet's folds maybe twice a day, sometimes three times a day. Mm-hmm. Um, some fold pyodermis, such as the tail fold and the vulvular fold, require surgery to resolve those chronic infections. The tail folds, uh, we actually have to do amputation of the whole tail because of the corkscrew and uh, what I call the ventral part of the tail, which is underneath the tail. It's such a deep fold that sometimes you can stick your whole finger in there in some of these cases that I've had. Mm-hmm. And the bacteria, obviously, because the rectum is right there, um, create a lot of bacteria back there and a really nasty infection. And you see these dogs that will sit on their bottom, they'll be walking, and all of a sudden they'll just drop to the bottom, they're on their bottom, and spin around, and they are very uncomfortable. You can't even, if you try to touch them back there or even pet them, yeah. uh, some of the, the bulldogs will even snap at you. It's so bad. Yeah. Um, but we treat a lot of those, and, and cosmetically it, it really doesn't look bad. Mm-hmm. Um, we do them pretty often and very successful with them and uh, um, the dogs are much more comfortable and without their tail cosmetically like I said it really looks pretty good yeah. the, the other fold issue the vulvular fold uh, a lot of times when these bulldogs unfortunately get too overweight and obese that's when you get the vulvular fold and what I do to correct that is to exteriorize the vulva by um, doing what they call an episioplasty and just kind of exteriorize that vulva so it can breathe a little bit, get air to it, mm-hmm. and that resolves that issue. So those are the um, the things that we deal with as far as the, most of the fold uh, issues, and I, I believe a lot of the, our bulldog uh people certainly know about it that's for sure because mm-hmm. um, we're all about wrinkles yeah yeah that's for sure yep. and one of the other things we see is flank alopecia um this again is something we see predominantly in english bulldogs not that it does occur in some other breeds but i see it all, very often in, in the english bulldog and that's the loss of hair in the flank and what i call the lateral trunk in front of the hind legs mm-hmm. along the sides you'll start seeing a little bit of hair loss and to me it seems like every year it gets worse on that particular dog yeah and what happens is once the hair is lost then the skin becomes uh, hyperpigmented it's like a dark pigmentation almost actually black and very smooth yeah. type of skin yep 
uh, the, the condition is assumed to have some kind of relation to photo period uh, because hair loss and, and regrowth tend to be seasonal. I see a lot of this begin usually in about April or early May. It seems to get more of an issue with these dogs that have a reoccurring problem with this flank alopecia. And there, unfortunately, there's no specific treatment for it uh, is recommended. Uh, some of the Durham books do recommend melatonin, and I would say I get fair success with that, mm-hmm. um, maybe maybe 50%. And melatonin is easy to get. That's You go to GNC, health food store, and you can pick up the melatonin. I think it, I believe it comes in three milligram tablets, and it doesn't make the dog drowsy. I know people take melatonin to help them sleep better, mm-hmm. but in the dog it doesn't seem to have that effect on them and is thought to help with this flank alopecia. So I do recommend that. Um, and I also recommend, since you know I have it documented, typically when it gets worse on these pets, to start it in early March. Get a good jump on it before uh, the hair really comes, you know, starts falling out. The other thing that I've noticed is the hair never really fills in completely after this, after they had this flank alopecia. Okay. Um, and there's really, you know, nothing else that seems to work uh, to get this hair back. And um, clients are pretty accepting of it. Um, and it's, you know, it's one of those things that doesn't cause anything physically. Um, you know, the skin doesn't break down or bec- it doesn't seem to become infected or have any issues at all. So um, we do see a lot of it. Okay. Uh, the next derm issue that we see is malassezia, and that is a yeast infection. This is, I believe, becoming a lot more common in the bulldog and a lot of other dogs, too. And I think it's, again, the inappropriate use of using antibiotics. It's killing all the good bacteria on the skin and all the bacteria. And so um, the yeast become opportunistic in invading the skin mm-hmm. and... Um, really get pretty nasty you get a um like a yellow greasy um type of debris on the skin it affects usually around the mucous membranes of the dog the mouth it's very odorous mm-hmm. um very pungent and um require in most cases the yeast infection actually occurs secondarily to an underlying problem such as allergies or like I said earlier, the overuse of antibiotics. Mm-hmm. And the you know, diagnosis um, can be confirmed by uh, using psychology, looking at the cells in the skin, doing a skin scraping, or doing the punch biopsy like I talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. And um, so we do a cytology evaluation or, micro, you know, we do um, sometimes bacterial cultures to see what kind of yeast it is or fungal cultures. And um, treatment usually includes killing the yeast with systemic antifungals, ketoconazoles. Um, there's a lot of different conazoles, fluconazole. Um, your veterinarian would pick the proper um, antifungal and uh, also regular bath with a, some type of antifungal ingredient in it, such as meconazole. Mm-hmm. Shampoos and topical treatment work pretty well. I guess the frustrating part of malassezia infections are that um, they're very lengthy in course of treatment. Okay. So usually it, it's it usually several, two to three months at least, 
to try to clear that up. Okay. And uh, it, it can be a very frustrating thing to um, to deal with. But if you hit it hard and uh, proper treatment, we usually can resolve that pretty mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it does clear up, but it's a pretty pungent type of bacteria it's got a pretty good odor to it and um like i said before i think it's mostly from overuse of antibiotics that the yeast uh, are opportunistic and invade the skin and cause that uh that yellowish film all over the skin and uh pretty easy to detect just by uh physical exam mm-hmm. for a veterinarian but we like to do a culture just to verify that uh that it is a yeast infection right one of the other things that we're dealing with in bulldogs is uh, demodectic mange. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is an inflammatory disease of the hair follicles that appears to be attributable in part to the presence of the uh, demodex mites and in part to an inherited or actually acquired immune defect. You see this a lot in the young puppies with maybe an immune problem. If they're stressed out, sometimes when they're brought in to have a spay or neuter, and these mites are there. Basically, to go back a little bit, the mm-hmm. mites are transmitted from the bitch to the nursing pups in the first few days of life. So most dogs actually have demodectic mange on them, mm-hmm. but does not cause a skin issue until they're stressed or they have some type of immune issue or maybe some kind of secondary bacterial infection. Uh, but the bulldogs seem to have a propensity for demodectic mange. Um, so, uh, basically before we use all types of what they call carousides, parasitic agents to try to treat more supportively than actually killing the mites. These mites are very tough to kill. And if you look at them under a microscope, they look like little cigars with legs. Okay. And they burrow into the skin. And if, um, if anybody gets it diagnosed on their dog, you know, ask your veterinarian if if you can look at it under a microscope, if you choose. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're ugly looking little critters under a microscope, so, uh, but interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, so they burrow into the skin, so uh, you have to do some pretty deep scrapings to find them. And the other thing that I do, again, I do those biopsies, and my dermatopathologist, which is in Arizona, usually when we send it to him, he gets them within a day or two, the, the specimens. Mm-hmm. Because we're doing an uh, actual couple layers of the skin with that punch biopsy, he can see where there, you know, if there's any um, mites in there, if, okay. if there are any demodectic mange. The good thing is with demodex is not transferable uh, to people. Mm-hmm. And um, usually with other dogs, they're not going to get it unless they have some kind of autoimmune issue or just some kind of break in their skin or that they were stressed in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the good news is, like I said before, the before demodectic mange was more treated supportively, we really didn't have any good medication to really kill these mites. Mm-hmm. We finally got something pretty recently with a new product called Brevecto. What we use Provecto for is actually fleas and tick um, infestations in the dog. And this is only for the dog, but it works really well for fleas and ticks. It's a chewable tablet, but they actually found that it treats demodectic mange. It's not a rapid kill. It 
takes a little bit of time. Now, Brevecto is used, like I said, for fleas and ticks, and it's good for 12 weeks. Okay. Um, so you, you can only give one dose, and usually you will see improvement. What I found in my cases, and I've only treated so far because this is a pretty new product. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's only been out for maybe, I'm guessing, seven or eight months. Okay. And I've only treated maybe four cases of demodectic mange with it, and all four of them totally resolved which was great, Yeah. Um, doing, you know, repeated scrapings of the skin and finding dead mites. Usually you see that improvement or where it's effective. usually takes about three or four months after the Brevecto has been used. Okay. And now, a word from our sponsors. If your dog sitter isn't using Corretable, what are they doing to your dog? You don't know, and that's a big problem. Dog sitters using Corretable relieve the stress, guilt, and anxiety that a dog owner experiences when they're away from their dog. If you love your dog, insist that your pet sitter use Corretable. Check out Corretable today at Corretable.com. That's C-A-R-E-D-I-B-L-E.com. Corretable also works great for people who use caregivers for loved ones, like children and the elderly. So check out Corretable today at Corretable.com. That's C-A-R-E-D-I-B-L-E.com. Now, back to the Bulldog interviews. So, but, so it's, it's great that we have it. Finally, after all these years, you think we have something to you know, get rid of these uh, mice. Until mm-hmm. this came out, uh, Brevecto, and let me see, it's by Merck Laboratories. Looking for a piece of literature here on it. And... Um, Provecto is the name band. Okay. Flora Liner, it's F-L-U-R-A-L-A-N-E-R is a generic of that product. But okay. um, it's, it's pretty new, so um, we're very lucky to have it, and I've seen some great success with it so far, and the research that I've read on it also has been very um, positive. Good. Another issue we see with the Bulldogs are the ear infections. Mm-hmm. Probably one of the biggest problems in bulldogs, and I'd probably see that more than anything else, are ear infections. And that's because of their anatomy. Their ear canals are very narrow, what they call stenotic ear canals. That's that very closed-in type of ear canal. Mm-hmm. And the reason it becomes a problem is because it's dark, it's poor airflow to the, to the ear canal, and it's moist. Mm-hmm. So having those ingredients usually uh, harbor pretty good types of bacteria in there. It's almost like a culture plate. Yeah. So that's why we see a lot of these ear infections. And, um, again, a lot of my clients will wipe their dog's ears out even from the time they bring them into me as a puppy mm-hmm. uh, that they're, uh, they use baby wipes. And just keeping those ear canals nice and clean, try to keep them as open as possible, and uh, and that works pretty well. Mm-hmm. I guess one of the problems with the ear is one of the bacteria that we get in the ears from, I believe, again, from a lot of different types of antibiotics, we get pseudomonas infection. You know, some of the, you know, when a dog comes into us for a ear infection for the first time, it's easy to treat. We usually use something for staph bacteria is usually in there, but repeated issues with the ear the bacteria becomes more resistant to some of these medications that are out there. So it makes it very tough. So then we start getting the more difficult bacteria to treat, such as pseudomonas, pseudomonas, 
uh, yeast infection and different types of staph, including you know different types of MERS, MRSA, and MERS bacteria. Uh, the good news is that a lot of these pharmaceutical companies are coming up with some new antibiotics that work really well. Where we don't sometimes we don't even have to clean the ear canal out, which is probably one of the hardest things to do when the dog's ear is so sore mm-hmm. and inflamed that you know they see you coming with cotton balls and you know to clean out those ears, they're running the other direction. They're, yeah, you know they don't want to have any parts of it. Right. So right. there are some great new uh, antibiotic ear ointments that are on the market now. Uh, one of the ones I mentioned earlier that that I have compounded. The BNT ointment has um, enrofloxacin in it, which is Baytril. It has a uh, antifungal, anti-yeast medication in there. It's got a very strong uh, anti-inflammatory, triaminicillone. And it's, like I said, it's in lanolin base, so it's very thick. And we actually, to get it in the ear canal, and I put it in the syringe, I warm it up first, and then I instill it into both ear canals. So to loosen that up a little bit because it is so thick. Once I get it into the ear canal, still up the, the canal, it kind of melts away over a two-week period. Okay. And then I usually have my client come back in and recheck that those ears and see if it's improved. Most time it is. Occasionally we'll have to put a second dose in there mm-hmm. uh, to really resolve the infection, but it works so well and it's it's just a. Um, it's just been remarkable to have these kind of um, compounds to mm-hmm. get in the ear and, and to treat them. One of the other things we use a lot, um, not that we're crazy about it because they do have their side effects, but we do use steroids um, probably for just a few days to open up the canal and also take away some of the severe erythema, which is just the redness and inflammation that ear, ear infections cause in the ear. We use a lot of, you know, we do use steroids, and it does help with mm-hmm. opening up that those ear canals, um, and and that's just part of the treatment, and it does work well. So um, again, we we like to do the cultures because we want to see what bacteria we're dealing with, and that we're using the right antibiotics in the ear or combination of medications in the ear. So I think a lot of us with bulldogs have all dealt with some type of ear issues that they get, and um, but. Uh, we get them under control. It's, it, it's just, again, patience and works pretty well. Yep. Um, one of the other issues that we see are allergies. Um, and allergies are immune-mediated type of issues that our dogs get. And it's not only bulldogs. I do see a fair amount of bulldogs that have allergies. But um, we see a lot of other breeds that have it. West Island mm-hmm. White Terrier is probably number one. A breed that comes into my practice uh, with allergy issues or what they call atopic type of um, issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and allergies are from environmental problems. Usually it could be pollens, uh, house dust mites, tree pollens, grass pollens, ragweeds. Um, I did my thesis in allergies in veterinary school, and um, I even found that... Um, the clients who brought their pets in for allergy testing, mm-hmm. a lot of them tested positive for tobacco smoke. Um, and sure enough, those clients, you know, the clients that brought them in were smokers and uh-huh. uh, caused a pretty good allergy too. So that's one of the environmental things that we have to watch 
in our pet. So uh, it's a good good ad for not smoking uh-huh. around your dog. Yep. Secondhand smoke. Uh, testing on allergies. Uh, the gold standard is intradermal testing where we take each individual antigen mm-hmm. or protein of the different types of trees, whether it's oak trees, different types of uh, grasses, fescue, and all the different grasses that are out there, ragweed. Yeah, there, we may inject little blebs underneath the skin. We could use 35 to 45 different antigens sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is up to usually a veterinary dermatologist. Um, they're very proficient at this. They're experts in allergy testing. And you come up with a very specific um, results as to what your pet's allergic to. And then they can... Uh, treat your pet with an antigen, all the things that it came up positive with, the protein, mm-hmm. they'll make into a vaccine. And then you start with small doses and you kind of build the pet up and you build his antibodies up against these uh, different proteins or antigens and um, alleviates the allergy issue. It's not going to cure it, but it's going to control it. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the the ha- hallmark uh, system and allergies is what they call pruritus, which is severe itching. And I think, you know, we've seen our dogs itch, but the dogs that are that suffer from allergies just scratch, 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 tear their skin up, what I call self-traumatize their skin, mm-hmm. and then create secondary issues to the allergies. And one of the, the issues that they get are, um, because they're scratching, and obviously their back leg hits the ears, so then they end up with ear infections. Uh, under the what I call the axillary regions in the dogs, their armpits, they get very red. Mm-hmm. The skin gets very thickened, lichenified. Um, it can get yeast infections, bacterial infections. Uh, it can get pretty nasty. Um, so with allergies, it just before I kind of go into the treatment of, of allergies, mm-hmm. like I said, you know, I did mention the vaccines that we do with after the allergy test. But um, food allergies, uh, the way you test food allergies is what they call provocative testing uh, by trying a novel protein. And usually you have to do this for a minimum of eight weeks with no treats or anything else. This can be very hard for our clients <laughs> not to give their pet a treat and to stick to one diet, but that's usually the only way you're going to find out whether it's truly a food allergy or not. Mm-hmm. So with, with that being said, that's one of the ways you're going to find it. So getting into kind of the treatment of allergies, uh, steroids do work well, but again, they they do have their side effects, so you have to be very careful with, um, you know, they tend to put on weight. Uh, they retain fluids. They drink a lot, what they call polydipsia, and then they, of course, uh, urinate more frequently also. And they just drink gobs and gobs of water. So steroids, you know, affect the kidneys and liver. Um, and so we have to be very careful with it. One of the other drugs that we use for allergies is something called cyclosporine. Uh, people may be familiar with cyclosporine because people that have had uh, liver transplants, that's your drug for um you know, if they reject an organ, uh, cyclosporine actually helps prevent that from happening. I think they have some new drugs out now uh, other than cyclosporine that work pretty well also. But that's the, one of the ones we use in, in our canines and mm-hmm. feline 
um, that do work pretty good. And we've used the antihistamines. I don't find that they work very well. I think maybe maybe 10% of the cases I see antihistamines may work. Mm -hmm. But one of the newest things that are out there, which is kind of exciting, is a product called Apiquel mm -hmm. that are out there for allergies that really work well. And if a dog truly has an allergy, Apiquel is, I'd say, 98%, 99% effective for reducing that itch almost within four hours after the first um, dose is administered, which is just phenomenal that we have this product out there. Yeah. Um, so that's something that our bulldog people, you know, want to talk to their um, vets about. It's been on the market now for a couple years, but it's been very, very difficult to get because all the veterinary uh, dermatologists have it. They actually, all the veterinary dermatologists were given this drug first, Mm -hmm. used on their patients to see how it worked and the response was just incredible and uh, the company came out with it uh, Zoetis and just for some reason was back ordered almost immediately after it came out just not even a week it was almost impossible to get so uh, but now we can get it pretty easily and uh, it's been helping a lot of pets and bulldogs that have allergy issues mm -hmm. So it's, it's been a remarkable drug, and again, uh, some of these drug companies are just coming up with some great, great uh, products that we use that can help our pets tremendously. So um, I've seen some just great results with that. Um, one of the things I have, uh, you know, I'm going to mention hypothyroid. Uh, it's more of an endocrine problem. Okay. It does cause skin issues when they are hypothyroid, and bulldogs can be prone to being hypothyroid, especially when they have a weight problem and just can't get that weight off of them. Mm -hmm. And we've tried all different types of diets on them and things like that. You know, like to do a thyroid test on them if they are hypothyroid. Um, you know, we'll, we'll put them on replacement therapy. But you know, with hypothyroid conditions, their hair coat gets very thin, okay. so it doesn't affect the uh, skin, mm -hmm. of course. And I believe one of the things we talked about uh, last week after the podcast was, um, I believe, was uh, the interdigital cysts mm -hmm. and yep. interdigital furunculosis that we see in bulldogs, which is very common. Mm -hmm. um, the, the deep, a lot of weight on those um, digits, and the back, you know, again, the, the, the friction between the toes mm -hmm. and the bacteria that gets in there because the lack of air. Uh, it's moist, uh, you know, the uh, sweat glands in dogs are not well, you know, they're just, you know, they're not like us. Mm -hmm. you know, dogs don't sweat. They do have, you know, a little bit of sweat glands in the pads of their feet. So I, I believe that contributes a little bit to this issue of um, interdigital parunculosis or, you know, or interdigital cysts. Mm -hmm. Uh, which, you know, we see almost on a weekly basis with the bulldog. I see quite, I see many cases uh, with this issue. And what is important is obviously keeping those feet clean with maybe a malacetic wipe, okay. uh, with an antibacterial type of um, wipe, and just keeping those feet clean, sometimes bathing uh, in Dumboro, Solution or using some type of a you know, astringent to keep the bacteria down, keep the interdigital spaces dry. Mm -hmm. uh, Stridex pads 
work well with that. Um, also for keeping the interdigital place um, space clean, mm -hmm. I think worked well. Um, I believe I mentioned to you also uh, that we use BNT ointment again because of the lanolin base. You could put it in there maybe once a day. I guess the issue is I have one dog that um, I I used it for their interdigital cyst and the dog licked it and did get you know did vomit from it. But I've used it many other times and the dog did fine with it. So. Uh, you know our, our dogs are going to lick it uh, when we put a ointment in there. It just feels funny to them, yeah. but they do work. Sometimes we do have to use um, systemic antibiotics. I'm not crazy about that. If we can get away with just the bathing and soaking of the, the um, feet, I think work well. And like I said before, Dumboro solutions, which you can get in any drugstore to bathe the feet, Epsom salt solution um, would work pretty well and then a good antibacterial ointment I've used um, again like I've used for some of the other skin fold issues bupyrocin, the BNT ointment uh, silvadine or, or silver sulfadiazine works well uh, for those uh, interdigital skin issues and I think that's really kind of wraps it up for most of the skin problems uh, that we see in bulldogs mm -hmm. And with the summer coming, the hot, humid weather, uh, obviously, it does become seasonal with more dermatological cases that I see. So it's just that we have to be cognizant that, you know, we, we are in a, a warmer type of weather in the summer, and the humidity, you kind of lend itself to issues of, of the skin. So uh, just by proper bathing uh, with the right shampoos, which can be, you know, hopefully by a veterinarian who knows your bulldog uh, to recommend the right type of product and we can usually keep these things from really getting uh, pretty severe. Mm -hmm. How how often, okay. like with with just bathing a, a bulldog when they don't have um, these issues, like what do you recommend as far as frequency and product? Um, and in fact, that's a great question because well, my bulldog, I rarely bathe uh, Axel, because his skin is good, so mm -hmm. you know I don't have to bathe him. I feel like sometimes some of these uh, shampoos you got to be very careful because you're removing a lot of the natural oils out of their coat, and then they become dry, and then you get some other skin issues because of that. Mm -hmm. So if you know every dog is different, if they have a severe seborrhea case, you know where you get all this scaling, which isn't a real common problem in bulldogs, mm -hmm. but usually you need a shampoo that's going to get rid of those. Um, you know, the, the dry, scaly, seborrheic um, flakes on the dog. And, um, you know, every every shampoo is different, and that's why you're going to have to really, you know, go by your recommendation of your veterinarian. You know, some of these things, let's say, let's, um, I'll give an example of the malathesia type of infection. Those pets usually have to be bathed almost every other day okay. to get the um, yeast to a low level, that's not causing you know clinical signs in the dog so mm -hmm. we usually recommend almost every other day if you could bathe them that often but you know sometimes three four times a week have to be done to get these certain infections under control mm -hmm. and you know some of the things that are basic um uh bacterial issues we want to use shampoos that have a antibacterial in it and they can really dry the skin out so you want to use some type of conditioner 
to, you know, condition that skin and the hair coat. You know, and you got to be very careful with the shampoos because, I mean, just picking up baby shampoo off the counter in, in your drugstore mm-hmm. can really be a problem. That can be very drying to the coat. If that's all you use, that can create more problems than it's worth. So, mm-hmm. uh, again, you have to be very careful with the shampoos and how often you're going to do it. So I think it's a great question. Mm-hmm. I have to, I hate to answer it like that, you know, when, when the pet really needs the shampoo, but it also depends on what the issue is as far as the diagnosis being made uh, will determine how often the, the bathing is done. Right. Okay. So um, I try to get away with not bathing my dog because I think I, I have less problems not bathing mm-hmm. um, than, you know, drying out his coat right. and causing issues. Okay. Um, and it works well. So now, you know, I do, you know, we do bathe Axel when he needs it. He gets a little smelly and I want to bring down the bacterial content a little bit so he'll get his bath. But maybe once a month I'm bathing him at the most. Okay. And if he gets a little bit of the odor to him or if he's found some deer poop out in the yard, then, uh-huh. you know, obviously we're going to do it as a cleaning um, method, right. obviously. Right. So I hope I answered that properly. It's just so mm-hmm. it, that's a tough question, but it, it, like I said, every skin issue is going to have a different formula to how many times we're going to uh, bathe the dog on a weekly basis, every other week or monthly basis. Um, you know, so that that's the only way I could probably answer that. Right. Good. Good. Yeah. This this interview has been great because I get people pleading with me. They send me emails or they'll call me uh, through BullyNet and they'll be like. I need to do something. I've been going to the, a vet and my poor dog's ears are, are they just keep, won't get fixed from ear infection or or they're calling because about the, the Demodex or they're calling about different things and they're just, they're at their wit's end. And, you know. Oh, so, yeah. It, and I would say that skin issues are probably one of the most frustrating um, issues to deal with uh, for our clients mm-hmm. and their and the patient and, and the veterinarian itself because, you know, the last thing I want to do is see these clients coming back with their dogs. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to heal them, so I don't need to see them back. I want to try to get them cleared up so they're, they're having an active, normal, healthy, functional life. Right. But when they have these kind of skin issues, especially uh, Demodex, mange mm-hmm. causes such severe itching. And if you treat improperly or don't diagnose the Demodex, and, and let's say, uh, you know, steroids are used, that's going to make the problem worse because it's an immune issue and you're going to suppress the immune system to the point where you're going to get just a, a worse condition than you had before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's got to be diagnosed properly. Is unbelievably, uh, you know, it's just so important. And um, it can be frustrating. But the good news is there are veterinary dermatologists out there that do a great job. Mm-hmm. on diagnosing uh, your skin issues. And if I, if I feel like, even myself, you know, I've, I've done my thesis and allergies, but if I get a very difficult case and I'm just not able to resolve it um, like I feel it should be resolved, I'm going to refer that to a veterinary specialist mm-hmm. to take over and see if they can come up with a diagnosis to get this, you know, pet more comfortable. Right. I think it's extremely important. Yeah. So yeah. you have to know when to be able to refer out. Yeah. Very important. Good. One thing I just thought of the top of my head: hot spots. What about what's a hot spot? That's that's skin, right? Yes, it is. And it's again, that's a great question because we 
it's so prevalent. I see more of them in August, and again, I believe that's attributed to the weather, mm-hmm. how hot and moist it is, especially in our uh, area that we live. You live in Pennsylvania. I live in Maryland. Maryland gets very muggy. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said earlier, staph bacteria is a normal bacteria floral in the skin. So what happens is the dogs start itching because, you know, the the skin is just, you know, it doesn't feel good to them, mm-hmm. and they start scratching at themselves. And what they're doing is they're taking their nails and they're embedding that bacteria just superficially underneath the uh, skin. Mm-hmm. And then from a very tiny little lesion that can be the size of a pinhead, well, you know, if that pet is just going to, that bulldog is going to keep scratching, scratching at that area, is going to abrade that skin and it's just going to grow from the size of a, like I said, pinhead. Mm-hmm. It'll get the size of a dime, a nickel, a quarter, then the size of a pancake. And literally within 24 hours, 48 hours, mm-hmm. you have a huge hotspot. And most of them you'll see is on the face or behind the ear because that's where the back leg can reach or right. somewhere you know, around the shoulder area mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that's where they're abrading the skin. So it's actually the, the staph bacteria that's in this, on the skin, the normal flora. They're embedding that into the skin so that it's becoming a, what they call a superficial pyoderma and creates that hot spot. Mm-hmm. So you gotta really, you gotta break that itch cycle so they leave it alone. And usually that can be with a steroid. And if it's an allergy issue, we can go back and use the Apoquel. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually a steroid injection sometimes just to, we gotta break that itch cycle. So we do that and then usually put them on a systemic antibiotic. Unfortunately, hot spots are easy to treat, and they usually resolve very quickly within 24, 48 hours at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should see improvement with a, um, you know, a true uh, hot spot, which is what they also call moist pyoderma. But uh, hot spot is our common term that we we see and uh, quite frequent in the summer months. So yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Okay. Good. Good. Um, yeah, I think that that covers everything, and we'll. Uh uh, we'll start having people uh, uh, give questions to different things like this, different uh, uh, issues they have, and uh, we'll start uh, running those through some of these podcasts too. Then uh, see if see if we can either stump you. Hopefully, we don't stump you. Hopefully, we, you get us some good yeah, answers and, on this. I think as veterinarians, look, we all have our areas that we kind of enjoy doing certain surgical areas I love. I love dermatology, mm-hmm. um, cardiac issues I, I enjoy. Um, you know, obviously breed specific with the bulldogs is something that's special to me. But every veterinarian has their, you know, their strengths and their weaknesses. And, and you have to know when to refer to, you know, a specialist, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, in my practice, I'm very fortunate to have veterinarians and team members that are, we all kind of complement each other with areas that we have our own kind of special skills in. Uh, one of my associates, Dr. Johnson, is fantastic with cardiac issues, um, and she does a great echocardiogram, even though they're sent to a veterinary radiologist to review and a veterinary cardiologist to review. Uh, she usually has it diagnosed even before it gets to them, mm-hmm. but we do it as kind of a second type of defense, so we really have a specific diagnosis for our client. 
Uh, Dr. Brad Pondish is very good with um, dietary and nutritional type things. And uh, we just complement each other. Uh, you know, all four of us just complement each other very well uh, with uh, various types of things. And we have our you know, doctor's rounds and we discuss cases that we can't figure out problems. We're going to discuss it in our rounds. And uh, if need be, we will refer to a specialist. And we usually have a pretty good um, list of veterinary specialists in different er- specific areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, that are out there that just do a great job. Great. So um, that's that's about it. And um, um, but uh, like I said, I got a great team um, of diagnosticians. Uh, Dr. Vivian Ho also is with us, and I, I believe she's a great diagnostician and very thorough. Mm-hmm. Um, she sometimes doesn't leave until late at night until all her phone calls are done. I mean, she's very, all, all my. Doctors are very committed, so it, it, it's been great. Great. Awesome. I'm very proud of that group. Thank you for listening to the Bulldog Interviews on BullyNet with your host, Dave Kaufman. Check out the show notes from this podcast at BullyNet.com. Please leave a five-star review and your honest feedback on iTunes.